Welcome to the Locala Podcast. This is episode 16. You know, I believe that in order to change a life, you have to change the life. And I, I believe very strongly that we are living in one of the most critical, crucial times of the, our history here in America. Welcome to the Locala Podcast, everybody. I'm Lisa Anderson, your host and publisher of Locala Magazine. Before I introduce our guests today, I want to go ahead and thank our sponsor, which is Your Place Mortgage and Title. You can visit them at www.yourplaceocala.com to learn more about their services. But today, I am super excited because we have John Jackson on the couch. So welcome, John. Good morning to you. How are you? I'm doing just Fine. John, you are the franchise owner of Unishippers here in Ocala, as well as the diversity engagement and uh, mentor volunteer at SCORE. Mm -hmm. So, and you do some other things around the area too. So you're a very busy guy. And so I'm very excited to learn more about your life and and all that kind of fun stuff. Excited to be here. (laughs) So tell me what Unishippers is and what do you do? Okay, well, Union Shippers, we are a what we call a 3PL logistics firm. So we do shipping, whether it's, you know, as I state, land, ocean, or air, and um, whether from small packages all the way through uh, to full container loads traveling from state to state or internationally. Okay. And you guys do all kinds of big packages and just kind of the standard shipping stuff that you would find almost anywhere? We have a very unique model in respect that uh, I'm an authorized reseller of UPS services. Oh, okay. And because UPS is such a conglomerate, um, we have found a niche to reach the small to medium-sized companies okay. and give it the personal touch yeah. so that there are various benefits and discounts and things that we can do because of that. And we tap into the uh, emerging market of e-commerce. Okay. Well, mm-hmm. how did you get into that? When did you start that? I purchased a franchise this year. I was already in the logistics industry for quite a few years. Um, I flipped the business model because I was looking at the trends. Pre-pandemic, you know, the whole things that was going on, all the stuff (laughs) that was going, there was like there's so many titles and so on. And then through it and then post-pandemic. And after looking at it and seeing how more people are establishing their businesses from home and doing a lot more online offerings. And I was already doing truckload items. I was doing what we call drayage, uh, picking up things from ports and bringing them in and then going to distribution centers and so on and so on. However, as I looked at it, I said, there's something very unique taking place here. And I follow most of the trades for the industry. And I discovered, I said, wow, there's something huge developing with e-commerce. And since Unishippers had got into a contractual relationship with UPS, already being the second largest in the LTO or less than truckload industry, it was a no-brainer for me because that afforded you a lot more penetration into a complex industry. And, And everything's about positioning. And then... 
establishing relationships. Once people know that you have the positioning that you can do certain things, now can I have a relationship with you mm -hmm. to get it done? So that was kind of the idea. That's why we said we're the company that works for you. Okay. Well, let's go ahead and back way up then. All right. And figure out your road on the way to your current journey right now. <laughs> so um, I asked a, a pre-questionnaire question about um, what you were like as a child, and you said you were pretty quiet and shy. Can you tell us a little bit about your childhood? Oh, yes. I'm a native New Yorker um, from New York City, New York. In other words, Manhattan area. Uh, better known in the area I grew up in is called Spanish Harlem. And um, so it was quite a time to come up. And, you know, it was, I was an adopted child, so therefore I didn't have siblings around. I stayed within my family, but I didn't, wasn't around my siblings. And um, I wasn't afforded uh, good health from the beginning, so therefore mm -hmm. I had to endure a lot of the childhood sicknesses and illnesses that came through the community. So being alone and you know, not having a lot of friends because you couldn't go out the way that you desired, a number of different things. I spent a lot of times in emergency rooms and in hospitals and out. Um, so you kind of got withdrawn because when you yeah. tried to fit in, just as soon as you got to have some friends, as soon as you got to do something, something would happen to pull you away and, you know, that yeah. type of a thing. So, yeah, that's where that came from. What did you do after you uh, went through your childhood years? Like, when, where did you go to school? I spent most of my years in uh, going to school in New York City um, and got into sports, which helped me break away from the shyness and what mm -hmm. have you. Found that I was a gifted athlete in uh, different sports and what have you. And uh, predominantly it was football. I thought that was going to be my life. You know, that's where I was headed. I was going to the pros, you know, kind of a thing. As a lot of children were looking for an outlet out of the communities uh, that they came up in. So I spent that time in New York City and then went away, um, did some early junior college years in Connecticut and then did you know, further education from that point. But then I ended up uh, going into um, a seminary type situation. How long were you in seminary? Oh, I was in seminary for several years. Um, I did most of my advanced work in theology. Okay. I'm a licensed and ordained minister for... You know, in the early years, and did a lot of travel within that. So my kind of got diversified. <laughs> you know, as people used to say in the early years that I was going to be doing that, and I mm -hmm. said, "No, I am not." And they say, "Yes, you are." And I said, "No, I am not." <laughs> and uh, it turned out that uh, yes, I was. <laughs> and so, just um, embraced it. I felt that uh, I had a tremendous amount of illumination because of it, and. Um, I fell in love with what we call the gospel and, um, you know, have enjoyed it for all the years and still do. Yeah. Do you still um, preach? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I, I celebrated 45 years really? in, um, back in September. Oh, fantastic. Mm, a lot of itinerant work, field work, domestic and foreign missions type things, yeah. and uh, even uh, shepherded. Quite a few assemblies. Mm -hmm. Okay, so would you consider that kind of your um, your primary career over the last few years? Since I mean, it was forty. It has years, yeah. been the primary 
Um, and you know, it's when you love something, it's not like work, right? You know, so it's something, and it combined everything somewhat that I've ever done together in one, so I could utilize that. So all of the uh, things that happened throughout childhood, you know, a culmination of things came together with experiences and so on. That I started meeting people yeah. and finding out I had the ability to be a good listener. And um, people enjoy talking with me, and for some reason or another, and even from my childhood, when I finally was getting better and can get out in my teen years, everybody always just tell me their problems. You know, everybody yeah. was bringing everything to me, and I was going, "Why are you telling me this? <laughs> <laughs> Did I have a sign on me someplace? You know, I didn't ask these questions." And it's only to find out, you know, when I got into that and. I had followers. People were interested. I was, again, being you know shy and withdrawn. I was trying to get away from people. I was oh, basically right. a loner. And yeah. I'm like, where are you going? You know, and it's like, why are you following me? You know, kind yeah. of situation. You want to sit down and talk about what? You know. Yeah. And so, you know, it just continued. Uh, even when I worked in various places, I was in banking and finance for a number of years. And uh, I couldn't have lunch alone. And uh, it was kind of a situation. If I sat at a table, I stayed in the building. My table was always full. Oh, and it was geez. without any... You know, so who, who told? Yeah. What's going on? You know, I'm not wearing a collar. No, I'm not yeah. wearing no cross. I don't have a Bible anywhere. You know, why are they bothering me? But I think that, you know, when you go through enough things in your lifetime um, and you endure a lot, you know what loneliness is like. You, could, you understand depression. You understand rejection. You understand different emotions that happen with people. When you see it again, in people's lives, you know, it, it does something to you or for you to be able to say that you can reach out to someone because you've kind of been there, mm-hmm. you know, to a greater or lesser degree. You don't know everything, but just enough that you got a pulse for where they are. And, um, you know, someone had to make an impact in my life to bring about a change. So, you know, I find that very fulfilling to be able to offer that back. Yeah. I um, once heard uh, a comment about being a situational extrovert, and I feel that that applies very much to me, and it sounds like it applies to you, too. (laughs) Situational extrovert. I like that one. So you did mention sports in your childhood, and um, on the pre-questionnaire, I asked if you had a funny story, and you said a football story. So I am very curious about this football story. Yes, you know, uh, I was very fast. And um, you know, one of the fastest people on any of the teams that I've played with. So on kickoff returns, things of that nature, punt returns, they would call on me to do that because if I could get out in open field, I was history. You, yeah. could, you couldn't catch me. Well, a couple of situations in different uh, areas of the league. It only happened twice in life, which was pretty embarrassing. But I received the, the kick. And decided to return it. As I'm moving through, I got hit. And it was such a shot that it turned me around. And I didn't realize it. So I started running in the opposite direction. And my own team had to stop me from scoring a touchdown for the other (laughs) side. So, you know, it was like, and I was shaking and baking and spinning. And my bell was totally wrong. I couldn't even recognize people in my own in my own uniform. You know, they had to tackle me, you know, to keep me from scoring. How old were you? 
So, you know, between, you know, it was, it was one of the uh, conference games in, in high school. And uh, another time that um, it happened on a different thing, because there's a difference between punt returns and kick returns. So it happened okay. on a new situation in two different teams. So it was like, <laughs> oh, no. like maybe I should not be doing this yeah. much. <laughs> I couldn't live that one down. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, so that was my claim to fame, if you will. Yeah. (laughs) When you want to be remembered for something, not necessarily for the most embarrassing moment of your life. Right, 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 right. Well, I'm so glad that you um, hinted at that so I could bring that up for you again one more time, you know? Thanks a lot. (laughs) Yeah, you're welcome. And now everybody knows. Now everybody knows. (laughs) Perfect. All right. um, I did want to talk a little bit about um, that you were once a U.N ambassador you say at large um mm-hmm. for the social and economical council for five mm-hmm. years can you yeah. tell me how you got into that and what that entailed also uh, very connected to ministry i uh have went back to new york after a stint and i've been involved to a greater or lesser degree in the political arena uh not as a like a precinct committeeman type of an individual uh, I like the whole processes of government and what have you, and been an advocate for the people. So I got back to New York on a particular visit, and I was going through a particular chaplaincy training, and um, someone came to me and said, you know, I need you to meet certain individuals. And I said, okay. And he said, well, after talking with me, they said, you know, you... Uh, need to be a part of the UN, and I said, me, you know, UN as in the United Nations, or is there another <laughs> term that was there? Susan Rice was uh, the United States ambassador at the time, and um, I got appointed, and uh, that was another uh, time of, and a tremendous eye opener. Uh, because of what you get to be exposed to, and you have the access to sit in that chamber when yeah. you go to New York and what have you. It broadens your scope because you see things from a world perspective. Yeah. You know, more so we have a tendency to be quite narrow in our lives and our worlds, like with the way that I grew up. We thought everybody lives like that. And then if you lived outside of there, we saw something different. We thought that everybody was richer or something, you know. You because Manhattan, New York, you know, you you got man, you got Madison Avenue and all these phenomenal stores and what have you. When you come out of a a poor area, which was you know uh, known as the ghettos of New York and the projects and so on, and you step in environments where you see people with these phenomenal vehicles and jewelry and shopping and what have you, going, whoa, how'd they do that? You know, where they come from. Or we can or cannot do that. So when you step into an even bigger circle from a global perspective, it gives you a whole new appreciation for life, for people, for people as as a whole, all types of people, because they're suffering all over the world. And then you start understanding what they want to, the forecasts for the future. Now, it, life gets real serious yeah. at that particular point. And it's something that you, sometimes you can't share certain information that you receive from those areas, but it gives you a lot to think about. When you return home, you're grateful, you're thankful. It causes you to look closer at yourself, how you view the world, 
Maybe you were wearing rose-colored glasses and you didn't realize it. Mm-hmm. And now you can say, okay, wow, either I'm part of the problem or I'm part of the solution. Yeah. You know, so, you know, that was that, was that experience, yes. Okay. Did you do a lot of traveling with that position? or did I you- wasn't required. Okay. Um, but it was nice when I was able to do so because yeah. I got to get attention and so on. You yeah. Know, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. What, and I know you said you've done some uh, missionary work as well. So what are some of the countries that you visited? Uh, mostly in the Caribbean uh, that we went to and, and then domestic. But we have works in different areas, different countries, even at present that we support okay. and stand with. We're looking to send some people out whether Central and South America or, you know, we have uh, places also in India and Nigeria and uh, Peru, Guatemala, the Philippines. So a couple of things that is, <laughs> a couple of places that is going, going on, on <laughs> you know. And so it's, you know, America, we are so phenomenally blessed. Yeah. We really, really are until you see certain environments and you hear about certain situations. You don't believe that some of the stories that come at you is even possible when you know we're complaining that if we go to a couple of stores yeah we got a couple of stores you got four or five stores you got choices and that's right wait a minute the shelves what do you mean you don't have anything of this or that or the other i'll go to the other store but they can't yeah you know some of them have the one store the one village market or what have you you know and they're living on where electricity what gets turned off at a certain time of the day and the you know the power that comes through there also generates uh energy for the pumps that bring the water into their homes and so on and so on things that we take for granted we go walk in the restroom or the kitchen and turn on the faucet and if we got children they leave the water just running the whole times they're in there and they can't do that yeah you know so it's you get a whole nother appreciation yeah Yeah. i think everybody should have to do at least a short-term missions trip you know one to two weeks around various parts of the world even in our country what have you we involved with the native american uh community supporting that one you know and then mercy ships is one of the things as well Mm -hmm. today's episode is brought to you by your place mortgage and title your everything agency Purchasing a home should be as easy as one, two, three. At Your Place Mortgage and Title, we offer professional realty services through Professional Realty of Ocala, mortgage and commercial loan services, and title services. We pride ourselves on customer service and education. Contact us today to learn how we can make your home buying and selling process a pleasant one. Visit www.yourplaceocala.com to learn more. I did want to talk a little bit about what you do with SCORE as well and how you got involved in that. So do you mind telling um, everybody exactly what SCORE is and um, just just kind of a general overview? Yeah, SCORE is a mentoring organization of generally retired business executives from every uh, echelon of society that devote their time into helping businesses start, to grow, develop, whatever it is. And we do that through the mentorship. People go online and visit score.org, and they'll see the various individuals, and they can make a choice as to who they would like to have work with them, and then they can make that relationship happen through videos or in person or email, whatever makes them comfortable. I got involved with that this year 
because of the number of years, I, I consider myself to be someone of a serial entrepreneur uh, ever since I was very young, you know, from the, selling Jordash and uh, Calvin Klein jeans was out of my trunk of my car. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, so, you know, no, hey, yeah, you know, I'm a New Yorker, so hey, I got it, I got it. You, you need it, I got it. it was, come on out to the car. Right. And so uh, we saw that. Uh, but it was always find a need and fill it, basic laws of economics. And I enjoyed the idea of business. I enjoyed the idea of putting deals together. I enjoyed the idea of seeing things come from nothing to something. And it's so many people that have these very high-level formal types of education and have been the head of major conglomerates and corporations. They have their place, and they're phenomenal. They're definitely you know, not dispensable. You, you need them. However, I have been the bootstrap guy. So, and I find that a great percentage of people who are entrepreneurs who desire to do something are like that. That they, you know, they're undercapitalized, they got an idea, a dream, and, you know, and it's like, I want to take this off, but I have not a clue. And so they get to meet another dreamer that has done similar things and similar businesses and some were reasonably successful, some flopped in a large way. <laughs> you know, when I, like I said, when I blow it, I really blow it, okay? Yeah. And so it's a thing where as I think that I'm able to relate. So although we've done various things, I said, let me get involved with that. And that was kind of my intro to them to say, yeah, I like working with people that have a dream that helped them to get started and everything from the business plan all the way through to an executive summary and those that want to prepare for packaging for an SBA loan, that kind of thing, helping them get on the right track and telling them the right type of course. We have a myriad of varying courses and things that individuals can take and download and what have you. And it's nice to, we don't tell people what to do. Uh, we don't do it for them. Mm -hmm. But the idea is to listen and then respond based on what you hear them saying and see what their buy-in is. And my always my first question, anyone that I work with, is tell me why. Yeah. You know, why the business? And why are you? You yeah. know, kind of a situation. Why should I come across the street to give you a dollar? You know, uh -huh. why, why should I do that? And, you know, and you, you see people, some people are visual, so you watch them, they look up to the left or whatever. Some people, uh, they hear, you hear, you see them tilt their head. Now they're engaged. But someone that's really, you know, uh, not sure, one of the things I like to do with them is help them define the difference between what is a hobby and what is a business. Yeah. Every hobby does not turn into a business. So it needs to stay a hobby, you know, because you're not really prepared. And I believe it's more emotionally, uh, psychologically, if you will, to be able to be in business, do business, because it's going to take every fiber of you for yeah. business to work. And uh, so it's just a hobby. You're going to get really upset, you know. <laughs> what do you mean I don't get paid? Well, yeah, you know. Well. Okay. <laughs> oh, you wanted a check-in yeah. Friday. Oh, you know. Yeah, you might want to try something else. <laughs> so the many times that I quit quit my jobs and I was going, I had this great grandiose idea when I was a lot younger. And I was, I would tell everybody, hey, I'm out of here. Yeah, wow, where are you going? Man, I'm starting my business. I'm out of here, you know. Gave my two weeks notice. I'd go out the door. And then it was like, oops. 
I didn't do that right. I didn't prepare properly. And, yeah. and, you know, 90 days, 100 days, 80 days later or what have you, the shame and the embarrassment of coming back and what have you start floating around the place where you used to work. You know, hey, I just come and see how you guys are doing. In reality, uh-huh. it's like in the opening so <laughs> yeah. It's my job still available. You guys liked me, right? You know. And so, you know, having lived that enough times, you realize, you say, wow, there's a lot you did not know. Yeah. And it doesn't mean that it could not have worked. So that's why I got involved, to yeah. try to help people to, to, to get the nuts and bolts together in the right order of things and help, you know, keep it real for them and what have you until they can get to the other levels of individuals who, you know, I know people who have PhDs in business and all kinds of things of that nature, you know, a lot of big MBA folks and what have you and, you know, and they have their place, but the majority of the population is not there yet because they speak another language. They speak another language to me, you know. (laughs) But I love what I, I love my involvement Perfect. Well, um, I kind of been interested in how you got to Florida from New York. How did what brought you this way, and why specifically Ocala? You know, it was interesting because I had home in New York and you know Long Island area and places of that nature. Uh, initially, they used to have a lot of advertisements, you know, and we had snow. Y'all didn't, so it was like Florida. You needed bad. We've got it good. You know, I'm sick of those commercials. You know? So <laughs> I'm shoveling snow. And then, all right. I had one child at the time. And I says, all right, we're going to give it a shot. This was about the, the early 80s. And uh, came on down to Florida, into the South Florida area. Um, so it was making a better life because it was, even then, you made a decent living. But the cost of living was so high. The taxes and things was high. And yeah. in that that area, and it was like, all right, maybe you, you had you made the money, but you couldn't find any of it because it was it was sucked up by whatever. You know, if you had five hundred dollars in saving, you would go, yes, you know, yeah. you, you thought you got a windfall. Um, but coming down, cut overhead, didn't need certain things, and then developed from that particular point. Um, after a number of years being down there um, uh, with my first wife. And uh, unfortunately, we had a divorce situation that took place. And after a period of time, uh, I found out through a, a seminary alumnist, who I, what I met at a function, who was from here. And she invited me to Ocala uh, to speak. And I got here, and I said, okay. I'll be glad when this meeting is over. Uh, <laughs> I'm looking forward to leaving. <laughs> I'm, and what I, year was that? I, I can't see a thing. <laughs> and this was in the 90s already, you okay. know, so I can't see a thing, you know, and mm-hmm. everything is totally pitch black in front of me, you know. And then the sun comes up and there's a field of cows. And I'm looking around going, where'd they come from? And they were like, they were out there all night. So uh, I came in that road, and there was nobody out there. So, you know, it was kind of wild. So I'm like, oh, man. I said, I'm a city guy. I need streets. I need turns. I need buses, trains. I need connections, right? Yeah. So get me out of here. But um, that's not how that worked out, obviously. (laughs) (laughs) Did you wind up just staying, or did you? No, I came back a couple of times. And then... 
young lady that I'm presently married to, which we're getting ready to celebrate 30 years uh, wow. together. Uh, poor thing. Uh, she <laughs> uh, got sucked into that, you know, and uh, I try not to make her too many promises, but then she started traveling with me up in this area, and, and I said, okay, so we're kind of going to be moving here. And um, she was like, oh, okay. <laughs> and, and, you know, I said, wow, she liked my jokes and she trusted me. I said, this is a keeper. So we <laughs> keep her hanging on. And um, we came up. It was an easy transition. Um, but living was easier. You know, it's interesting that sometimes if you lived a very fast life, which I did, uh, you come to a place that you want calm. Yeah. You want easy. The, the quality of life. We had a child here together in 1993. And um, it's like, all right, this is a good place to raise children. Yeah. And, um, you know, life was easier and so on. And for the most part, you know, we well, got involved with a lot of things, met some phenomenal people that were from here, saw, you know, things that we didn't even know that existed because before I got here, I didn't even know there was a, such a place called Ocala. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't either. You actually. didn't either. No, yeah, I'm from Wisconsin, and, and my father um, had moved down here after divorce, uh, and I was in my 20s, and he said, come move down to Ocala, help mm -hmm. me manage my online business. And I went, where is Ocala? <laughs> I'd never even heard of it. Didn't even know anything about the center of... Um, Florida other than Orlando, mm -hmm. you, you know. See? You <laughs> yeah. see so. had you known he's an online business, you could have stayed in Wisconsin and helped well, I don't know. My eyelashes <laughs> were freezing together, so I was pretty happy to go too. Didn't like shoveling that snow either. <laughs> yeah, I've been to Wisconsin. I, yes, I trust me. <laughs> yeah. That brief period between the, on the plane getting off and waiting for a connecting thing. I was like leaving now. <laughs> yeah, leaving now. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> well, before we go, I do want to ask you one last question. And that is, um, do you have anything that you wanted to address that I did not ask you? Okay. I'm, a, I'm a big family type person. And, you know, I believe that in order to change a life, you have to change the life. And I, I believe very strongly that we are living in one of the most critical, crucial times of the, our history here in America. And I'm a firm believer in fighting for the family. Um, I am the Marion County Director for the Protect Our Children Project. And um, our whole agenda is being an advocate on behalf of children, giving them the opportunity, fighting for their rights, their life, their future, their education. Uh, I believe every person deserves to have a balanced life, you know, an opportunity for one that you... We all earn the right to be heard in society, and if you don't have a voice yet, you don't know what to say to earn the right to be heard. So we want to be the voice to the voiceless. Perfect. Well, thank you so much, John. It was such a pleasure getting to know you a little better and Pleasure's mine. Thank hearing you. about where you came from. Well, thank you, everyone, for joining the Locala podcast. Once again, I'm Lisa Anderson, your host and publisher of Locala magazine. Please visit our sponsor, which is Your Place Mortgage and Title. You can find them at www.yourplaceocala.com to learn more about their services. And if you would like to read this extended story uh, from John in our magazine, you can do so by going to www.localameg.com and you can find our current issue and all our 
previous archive issues on the website as well. So once again, thank you everybody for joining us at Locala, where we focus on connections through stories. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Locala podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please go ahead, like, share, and download. Your support is truly appreciated.